This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Okay, let's get things going. Happy Thursday. It is April 19th. Sportsnet Today is coming in July from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studios. Here in uh, cloudy Alberta, Calgary, Alberta, Canada today. Cam was telling me on the way in this morning how excited he was for more snow this morning. I believe I got the date wrong too. It is the 20th today. what I get for reading your rundown. It's what you deserve. Unbelievable. You just you were just complimenting yourself too. Happy, Literally Happy seconds ago, you're like, I think I got everything right on the rundown today. Nope. Almost. So close. One thing has to go wrong. We'll take the date today. So close. 420, bro. How you should have known that. It's right up your alley. Oh yeah, big fan. Surprised you were even at work today. Slept really good. <laughs> I bet you did. How could we forget Cam's favorite day on the calendar? Jeez, what a start to the show. You just start <laughs> the whole thing over again. Let's try again. We won't, though. We'll live with the mistakes. Give the intro. Uh, welcome to the program. Sportsnet today. Logan Gordon. 420 fan Cam and Taylor along with us. Outstanding production duo. Lots to get you on the program for excellent hockey games last night across the uh, NHL postseason. We'll dive into uh, those. The Oilers evening up their series with the LA Kings, despite blowing another multi-goal lead. We'll talk about that. Panthers take advantage of a shorthanded Bruins team. Hurricanes pick up a win against the Islanders in OT, but lose another forward. And the Stars Wild was just madness. And an interesting decision by head coach Dean Evison of the Minnesota Wild to go to Marc-Andre Fleury, despite the heroics of Philip Gustafson in game one. And I won't say it was the biggest deciding factor in that game. Last night, Dallas was just clearly the better team in my mind. But man, um, when you, you see a seven spot on the board and you change goaltenders, a lot of people questioning that decision today. Uh, and as far as the uh, the schedule tonight, of course, big game two in Toronto. Leafs and Lightning, no Michael Bunting. A three-game suspension for Michael Bunting. He is out. Matthew Nyes is in. Can the Devils pick up their series against the Rangers? And then you've got the Jets and the Kraken both looking to potentially pick up two on the road in their series as well. We'll get into all of that throughout the afternoon. It's also a Thursday, which means we'll chat with Adnan Verk from MLB Network and NHL Network, Cinephile Podcast as well. We'll kick off Hour 2 with Adnan. But let's kick off the program today like we always do, heading down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon, welcoming in the color voice of the Calgary Flames here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, he is Peter Labardius, and he is brought to you every single day. By the Gemini Group Home Renovations. They know your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference, now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, sir? I am just fine, thank you. Good to hear. We're uh, continuing our uh, Flames uh, off-season review now. We started yesterday uh, examining the forward group, and today we're going to dive into... What was a very interesting group on the back end for the Calgary Flames, and I would take it back, Lou, to start, uh, remember, training camp, and you'll know it as well as anybody being around the team, that there was an interesting buzz around this team to start the year because there were, you know, quote-unquote, too many defensemen. There weren't enough spots for everybody 
um, that were in camp that were performing. It led to Yusuf Alamaki being placed on waivers and eventually claimed by the Arizona Coyotes. But um, an interesting year for the D core. It didn't change a lot. It had to deal with some injuries with Chris Tanev, uh, some fill-in roles throughout the year. They were really searching for someone for a lot of the year, Lou, to come in and fill that number six role on a consistent basis. How would you look back on the year for the Calgary Flames when it comes to their decor? Well, when I look back at it, I actually start with a guy who didn't play a single game. And that's Oliver Shillington. Mm -hmm. Because in a lot of ways, when you take a big potential top four piece away and you don't have them all year long, that changed everything. It, It shrank your depth. It put some people in roles that you weren't necessarily expecting. Um, you, you knew that you were going to have Mackenzie Weger to add into the picture, but between the mobility, where Oliver had gotten to the year before, that was a huge setback. Not that, you know, it would have comp- – no, I can't say that. I think, I think had he returned, it would have changed a lot. And so when you couple his absence with the four times Chris was out of the lineup and half a season really where McKenzie was figuring things out and trying to get up to speed and he was shifted around a lot between the right side and the left side and different roles and different expectations in a new market, they never really ever got, in my opinion, to where they wanted to be until very late. And that also, to me, involved, you know, the acquisition of Troy Stetcher, who I thought was a very, very good fit, and I sensed that he would be, to try and, you know, really stabilize that third pairing. And that's exactly what he did. There were too many times, Logan, in summation where Ryan Huska, who ran the defense and does an outstanding job, there are too many games for me in the 82 where you didn't feel like you could play all six of your people. And then what that means is now you're loading more minutes and sometimes too many more minutes in other places where guys up the depth chart probably aren't going to be as effective. And I should also mention the scooter accident to Rasmus Anderson, because he was the first to admit that after it, he was not himself. Yeah, that was so interesting hearing that from, from locker cleanout daily. There was a lot to pick out from that day, but hearing Rasmus say that, you know, might've rushed it back a bit and you can understand why, right? He's a competitor and it was such an important time for the team. You know, he didn't want to miss any more time than he absolutely had to, but to hear him say that on that day that he was still mentally and physically dealing with the aftermath of that, that's a big thing for anybody. Yeah, you can't be at your best. And that's why he wasn't at his best very often after he returned. And before that accident, to me, he had taken, you know, another significant step. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, looking back at it, um, uh, this is a weird situation and one that's probably easy with hindsight, Lou, but I, I guess if you knew more about the Shillington situation, do you think the Flames would have handled the Valimaki situation differently, or was that one for you no. that was always coming to a head? No, it was always coming to a head because, you know, to be as perfectly honest as I can, I don't think Daryl ever had very much faith in him. I don't think Daryl really thought he was an NHL player or certainly one that was going to fit in terms of what he wanted to have done. And I don't think it isn't because Daryl doesn't know what he's looking for. I think Daryl always knows what he's looking for. What isn't always the same is not everybody is going to do well under how he goes about his business. 
And for him, I truly believe that's part of finding out who can or who can't. I see a lot of similarities as people, frankly, between Jonathan Huberto and Yusuf Valimaki, minus the resume. And that's a big part of it. And the reason it's a big part of it is because Yuso went from, you know, really being coming out of that 2019, albeit short playoff run, and then with all the injuries, he went through a lot of hard times. And Logan, it's a business where all kinds of different people are going to see different value in, in others. But if, if you're a sensitive, caring guy, and you so is that, and I know it for a fact, because I've had lots of chats with, with his agent, Dave Cowan, over the years, you know, and, and Dave also represents Dylan Dubay, well, those two guys are built very different. And one guy, way more suited to what was being offered, you know, by the Flames and by Daryl. For you, so, you know, between injuries and not playing and expectations and expectations in the market and expectations of himself, listen, he was not a very good player under Daryl. He wasn't. And like a lot of these conversations, here's the truth. The truth is, that's very much up to the player in a lot of different ways to be better under the most difficult of situations. Because that's what Daryl wants and that's what he demands and that's what he's going to continue to look for. And that's not going to change. But that wasn't a good mix. No. It wasn't a good mix. So... You know, confidence is really important, and having people believe in you is important. And and I'm not sure at that level or most levels in anything there's anything more important. You know, when you do what you do, including what we do for a long time, a, a, a dear friend of mine, Tony Saragella, puts it this way. And it's, and it's more about our business than, than athletics because, at least in athletics, you get to, to go out there and do it. And, you know, in our business, it's very subjective, right? Yep. But it still has a lot to do with how people see you and the runway you get or the runway you don't get. Somebody's got to put you in a good spot and believe in you in order for your path to probably go to where you want to go. And... You know, in a lot of cases, a lot of people, even in the NHL, are really not separated by that much. I mean, you have to be a great, great player to even sniff the NHL. But as my buddy likes to put it, you know, and I, and I think it applies quite significantly, there's, there's probably going to be coaches – who are just going to fall in love with you and like everything. There's going to be a couple of those. And if there were 10 coaches, there would be two on the other end that just don't see it. And then, and then in a lot of cases, there'd be the four or five, six guys in the middle that you can win over. I think you so ran into a situation as we all can, where Daryl didn't see it. And thus he ended up with a new home and in Yuso's case, this is the best thing that could have ever happened to him. Uh, two guys I wanted to ask you about that you've mentioned during our chat already, Lou, and that uh, first one is Mackenzie Weger and an interesting year for him uh, in year one in Calgary Silks. He came in, felt a little bit like his, his buddy from Florida. He took some time to, you know, acclimatize to where he was and figure out what life in Calgary was going to be like and figuring out what it was going to be like under Daryl, figure out all these new surroundings. But by the end of it, it sure felt like a guy that had found his place in the Calgary Flames lineup. Well, McKenzie, in many ways, including his personality, was going to get there quicker. And he did. 
because he's an intense, fierce competitor. And the difference, even in the path, Logan, and the path to me is always really important. One guy was a third overall pick. The other guy was a seventh round pick. So you get to the NHL as a seventh round pick because you keep telling people that what you have to offer, they've missed it. So you're in battle mode every single second. A, even to get to junior hockey, let alone to the National Hockey League. And that's a very different mindset and a very different way of going about your business. So if you can fight your way from being a seventh-round pick into the NHL to begin with, that tells me that you have the wherewithal to fight through darn near anything that gets tossed at you because it didn't come easy. None of it. And so that's what I really believe for him, and that's his personality too. He, he wouldn't get to the depths that somebody else who's headed a little easier and things have gone pretty well and is sensitive to begin with because he's had to fight, not to say Jonathan hasn't, but it's very different. Jonathan has elite skill. That's how you get to be a third overall pick. That's how you put up 115 points in an NHL season. Mm-hmm. That's not McKenzie. So McKenzie, I thought back half of the year, was probably their best guy back there. And that didn't surprise me either because, you know, when they made that trade in the summer, I was as excited as anybody. I just thought that Jonathan would have a tough time. I just didn't see it going quite the way that it did. Uh, the other gentleman that you mentioned uh, that I thought would be worthwhile for us talking about was Troy Stetcher. Uh, came in, really solidified that number six role down the stretch for the Calgary Flames. The one I thought played uh, extremely well in his short time with the Calgary Flames. He's a UFA this summer. Uh, how would you feel about the Calgary Flames and the prospect of bringing Troy back for another year? I'd be disappointed if they didn't and didn't find a way on a couple-year deal at a number that worked. I just think he's versatile. I think he loves the game. I think he competes his tail off. I think he gives you some mobility back there. And I think even down the stretch, you know, for a guy who's never been, you know, overly offensive in terms of contributions, I mean, he went 90 without scoring one and then and three down the stretch and made plays. And, again, you could see that that part of his game, you know, was never great and is never going to be great. But – he was a significant ad. So, you know, as you're trying to grow on the back end, and as you talked about in this conversation right off the top, Logan, the truth of the matter is with Connor Mackey going away, with, you know, you saw Valimaki's situation that didn't work out, it's not all that deep back there. So to add Troy, kind of person he is, how he fits, how he fit in. He was the first to tell me in our first lengthy conversation of two or three that we had that he just felt like the style and how Daryl and how the Flames play like really fits who he is because of his mobility and and a lot of it. So, I, you know, I'd love to see him back because whether it's, you know, a six or a seven, I don't think you're, you're – I don't even, think you're going to find too many better especially at a time where you know maybe I'll change my mind after what happens with the Wranglers Mm -hmm. but I don't really necessarily see anybody I mean Dennis Dennis Gilbert did a nice job really nice job so how is it all going to fit but I, I'd love to see Troy come back. And he's a right-handed shot. Yeah. And if Michael Stone, you know, if, if that chapter ends up getting closed, then that'd be another reason. Because the guys, even in the system I like for Calgary, you know, whether it's Poirier, very different conversation because a very different kind of player, or Kuznetsov or even Dennis, as in Gilbert, 
those guys are all share one thing. They're all left-handed. Yeah. Uh, we're Peter Labardius here, the color voice of the Calgary Flames uh, season review. Uh, we did forwards yesterday, defense today. We'll dive into the goaltending for the Calgary Flames uh, on tomorrow, our Friday edition of uh, our hit with Peter Labardius. And today we'll finish things off like we have the last couple of days, Lou, taking a look at uh, the NHL's postseason, uh, another four games in the book last night. And, um, look, a lot of interesting storylines coming out of last night. So uh, lead me where you'd like, sir. The Kings, uh, Oilers, you want to talk Stars Wild? It was an interesting one last night. Well, I unfortunately, I didn't get a lot of time on Stars and Wild last night. I, You know, the two games um, I found myself watching the most is the Boston-Florida game. And give former Flames Sam Bennett a lot of credit because Sam was excellent in his return after a lengthy absence. And I think, you know, we saw playoff Sam Bennett again. Mm-hmm. Go out, stir things up, be hard to play against, great on your edges, drive defensemen nuts. Did a great job. I thought he was as key as anybody last night in Florida finding their way back in that series and winning that hockey game. And I also thought the goalie, you know, Alex Lyon, and who would have ever predicted that at the start of the year, that he would be a guy helping them win a playoff game. Um, Nobody saw that coming with Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight way far ahead on the depth chart. So that's becoming a really interesting story. Um, You know, and again, really enjoyed Kings Oilers, I think it's going six or seven. And what's really impressed me in that series, and we touched on it, you know, the last time we talked about it, is the Kings have done a really good job against Connor McDavid. Like they have done a really good job. And it's not an easy thing to do, needless to say. No, that's for sure. Um, uh, this is a hard one because. I'm asking your reaction to something that uh, could have gone a million different ways, and we never know how to react. But what was your initial thought when you heard three games for Michael Bunting? One more than I thought was going to occur. That would be, you know, my first thought. It's it's really hard, Logan, to, to know. But I like it in the sense of, At a certain point in time, if you want to eliminate that stuff, the penalties have to be harsh. They have to come with great consequence, and that's big consequence. I'm not saying I would have necessarily gone that way, but if you're you're going to start eliminating some of that stuff, and unfortunately for Michael Bunting and the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think he and they in part, have been made an example of. Now, what you hope is that anything similar, playoffs, because that's what we're in, it gets the same treatment. What did you think? Yeah, I was with you. It was one more than I thought necessary, but I never, and you know this as well as anybody, Lou, Just it's hard to play that prediction game for Department of Player Safety rulings, especially during the playoffs. Um, I think it's hard to play that game all the time because, (laughs) A, it might be one of the most difficult jobs in all of sport to begin with, and and it's hard to look at those situations in part, not completely, but in terms of reaction with without it being personal. Mm Mm-hmm. Big chance for the Leafs tonight if uh, if Chernak and Hedman can't go. You better win that series if those guys are out for any length of time. Because you will never have a better chance to beat them. No. So, that yes, that's, that's a big chance. Chernak doesn't get talked about enough even after these three years. He is just so dependable back there for them, Lou. And hard to play against. Yes. Good size, kills penalties. Gives you great quality minutes, Logan. You know how staunch I am on this. Your defense is 
incredibly important yeah. at this time of year. You don't have you don't have four six guys. You don't have an excellent top four and two other guys or more that can play the roles. I don't like your chances. I always think it's easier to replace even high-level forwards than it is top-four-type defense. Yeah, 100%. And if those two can't go, it'll be a big challenge for this Lightning team and a chance for the Leafs, even without bunting, uh, to find themselves back into it. Matthew Nyes will make his playoff debut for the Leafs tonight. Should be a great one. Uh, Five o'clock pucks are up, part of four more games on the playoff schedule tonight. Lou, enjoy them, sir. Uh, Have a great afternoon. We'll chat with you on a Friday tomorrow. I will indeed. Thanks, Logan. Take care. Peter Labardius, the color voice of the Calgary Flames, right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, he joins us every single day to kick off the program, courtesy of our good friends of the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows that your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. They're now offering air miles, reward miles. You can visit them at the Gemini Group. We'll come back on the other side. Uh, More Flames conversation. GM search is underway for Don Maloney and the Calgary Flames. Our NHL insider Frank Saravalli joined the big show with Russick and Rose a little bit earlier today to discuss some Flames potential GM candidates. We'll hear from Frank next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, so the NHL playoffs continue to roll on into night four on this Thursday. And all the focus for at least eight teams tonight is going to be on the ice. The Calgary Flames still in the midst of a very important offseason and a search for their next general manager to replace Brad Treliving, who mutually parted ways with the team earlier this week. We heard from uh, new president of hockey operations and interim GM Don Maloney at that press conference saying it's an ongoing process when they would begin immediately. And lots of candidates, of course, popping up from across the league, whether it be fans vocalizing who they would like to see as the team's next GM. NHL insiders such as Elliot Friedman or Frank Saravalli, who we'll hear from in just a couple moments. Uh, There's only 32 of these jobs, as we've said many times, and the Calgary Flames, maybe unexpectedly to some, have a vacancy that needs to be filled and a very important offseason in front of them with the decision-making chair currently vacated or at least held uh, with an interim tag by Don Maloney. So who exactly would be on a list for the Calgary Flames? We heard, again, from Don Maloney what that candidate would look like. Essentially, someone young, uh, up-and-comer, who's ready to maybe jump into a GM's opportunity, a progressive thinker, all of those sort of things come to mind. So you probably exit some of the long-time GM candidates that have been out there. I'm sure you've heard of Pat on, you know, many shows since the news came. You know, you hear of the the Fudas, the guys like the Chuck Fletchers, those kind of guys who have been around. Hextall, the guys who have taken their turn at the NHL GM's job already. You know, Don Maloney even really excluding himself from that conversation as the GM because he feels he's had his turn at it already and it might be time for somebody else. Of course, the Notable in-house candidate comes from a guy that has not been a GM in this league, but has been a longtime assistant GM in Craig Conroy, who's touched pretty much every part of this organization since uh, becoming a part of the front office staff. And no doubt he'll be considered, as you'll hear from Frank in just a few moments, but uh, this is an organization taking an opportunity to assess everything that went wrong this season and perhaps an outside voice the one that makes the most sense for the Calgary Flames. So we'll flash you back to uh, a little bit earlier today, today uh, this Thursday morning, uh, George Russick and Matt Rose on the big show, joined by NHL insider from Daily Faceoff, Frank Saravalli, to talk really all things NHL, but the guys uh, with a good long conversation looking back uh, from Frank's perspective on what happened with Brad Treliving earlier this week and the decision to leave the organization and What's next for the Calgary Flames? Is Craig Conroy 
makes sense as the guy going forward for the Calgary Flames? Or is there another name out there? Is it an Eric Tulski in Carolina, uh, a Sean Horkoff? Who makes sense when it comes to the next being the next GM of the Calgary Flames? Uh, here again, NHL insider Frank Saravalli with Russick and Rose earlier this Thursday talking all things Flames and their ongoing search for a general manager. The Brad Tree Living uh, news this week, um, not too surprising for you. Uh, the terminology mutually parting ways, is, was anything a surprise to you this week, the news that came out of Calgary? Yeah, I would say I do have a little bit of surprise in who's staying and who's going. Like, this came down to something really kind of rather simple if you boil it down to the most simple way. Um, and that's, there was sort of a, a clear line drawn in the sand. Brad Tree Living wanted to make a coaching change at the end of this season. And it's clear that that wasn't permissible uh, by Flames ownership and management saying that they have, uh, you know, basically two years left on an extension that Brad Tree Living gave Daryl Sutter before the season started. And now Daryl Sutter wins. Uh, that's, the, that's the easiest way, at least for now, to boil it down. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, that's really what you're looking at is I, I'm just surprised that in through the, through the end and all of this, the coach is the one left standing that I can't, I think what shocks me is if you, if you really think about it from a numbers perspective, two years and $8 million, you're picking the $8 million coach over the 83 and a half million dollar roster, because it's not just Brad Tree Living that had expressed, you know, concern for the coaching staff and, and Daryl Sutter. It's players too, quite loudly in uh, their exit meetings, I'm told, uh, that they wanted to see a change in coach. And that's just not the path that the Flames decided to go down. Man, uh, so when could they go down that route? Because you mentioned he's got the two-year extension here. The players are all, like, if this thing nosedives to start the season... Then what? Then what? I mean, then make a change, I guess. But how silly would that be? Because then you had the guy that you wanted to be your GM walk because you were too stubborn to make mm. the decision earlier. And, and by the way, I'm not totally closing the door on the idea of, you know, is Daryl Sutter definitely going to be this team's coach on opening night in October? Yeah. There was a pretty clear message sent to me, if I'm reading between the lines correctly, from Don Maloney at his press conference, basically saying that everything's up for review. You know, there wasn't a firm commitment there, at least publicly, for that to be the case. But I can't understand what sense that would make if that is indeed the case. Like I said, you just let your GM walk then. What do you what do you think we need to hear from Daryl Sutter yeah. when he eventually does speak to the media? Uh, my guess is a, is pretty similar to what we heard from Daryl Sutter, or at least what I heard from Daryl Sutter to the players at his exit meetings. We need to flush last year. We need to move on. We need to start fresh. Everyone needs to come together as a team. And put whatever happened, whatever transgressions, whatever issues that we had last season, put them behind us. And I don't know if it's as simple as that. I think it's way more complicated. I think there's some baggage there and scar tissue. And I think, you know, there's going to be a bunch of players that, you know, you could see push this season or this summer, excuse me, to, to make a declaration of, you know what, this, you know, I'm not signing an extension here or this place isn't for me or whatever it might be. I think there's way more to come in this story and we're only really just beginning to scratch the surface. Like, man, it creates such a, an interesting question as far as what is he going to say? Is he, is there going to be some accountability taken from Daryl Sutter on this year? Like when you talk about just flushing transgressions, it's expecting, expecting different results out of someone who has a pretty notable track record. Like, should Flames fans expect something different in the upcoming season from this head coach and from this team? I, I don't know how or why you could expect something to be different. I mean, here's the fact of the matter. Daryl Sutter is 64 years old. 
He spent 20 seasons now as an NHL head coach, 1,479 career regular season games. His name is etched on the Stanley Cup twice. He's gotten a team to the Stanley Cup final three times. To think that you're going to get something different now is is not only foolish, it's insane. Frank, when, when Don Maloney's talking about maybe they need a young, fresh set of eyes on this, I'm paraphrasing, um, as the new general manager, who are some of the potentially the candidates for that? Obviously, I think a lot of people in this city potentially pulling for Craig Conroy to be the next general manager of the Calgary Flames. If it's not him, if it's not somebody internal, what are some of the other candidates out there you could potentially see being the next GM of the Flames? That's another one of the head-scratching parts of this week is why wasn't Craig Conroy named the GM when Don Maloney was named the president of Hockey Ops? What am I missing? Craig Conroy has done everything right. He's worked his way up from the bottom to the top and has touched basically every facet of the Flames hockey operations department. And more to the point, who is better suited to handle, if, if handle is the right word, but manage Daryl Sutter if the, at this point than someone like Craig Conroy? So I, I don't understand the thought process. Like if, if that's what you were going to do, you should have put a stake in the ground and done it. Um, if you're going to go through this interview process, the first thing everyone's going to be asking is, well, there's a lot of pitfalls to this job now I, from a public perspective, you know, from getting someone to leave their post somewhere else to come to Calgary from the outside. You're essentially inheriting a coach that you just broadcast to the league is bulletproof. And on top of that, you've got some could argue a janky roster construction, and I'm not saying that's what it is, but based on the lack of success last year, mm. you could make the argument. And you have a team that's already capped out and now needs to sign and or trade multiple key core pieces for this team and solve those questions heading into next season. So it is no cupcake job by any stretch of the imagination. And then on top of that, you add in some of the other complicating factors, which watching this all of this play out, is that dealing with this Flames ownership can sometimes be a pain in the arse if you're the manager. Mm -hmm. So do you want to leave your post somewhere else to come dip your toe into the water here? I get that it's only one of 32, and you, you will get someone to do it. There's no doubt in my mind. But how many people among that group are going to be more qualified than Craig Conroy to do it? I, I don't see a very long list. The other thing here, and it's just maybe a small wrinkle that adds to what you're talking about, is you know we know Brad Trilliven is one of those guys who always got his ear to the ground, talks to everybody around the league, and if he's leaving for whatever his reasons are, you've got to imagine that people he call are maybe calling him back about the job and trying to get a little bit of information on what he just left behind. I mean, that's certainly going to be part of it too, right? Like, everyone talks. This is... I say this all the time. This is the world's smallest five and a half billion dollar industry. Everyone knows everyone. And, and there are no secrets when it comes to things like that. There's feedback, there's tips, there's tricks, there's everything that you could get your hands on. And that will all be shared. When we're talking about vehicles, the players have to voice their concern. Essentially it's exit meetings and trade requests. There's not a whole lot more that they can do, right? Not really. I mean, they players can flex their muscles in all sorts of different ways. Um, I think maybe you got a little bit of a taste of that uh, this year at times with some tweets from, from Alan Walsh with sure. Jonathan yeah. Huberto. That's one way the exit meetings are another, uh, the constant, you know, ongoing dialogue is, is another way, especially between team leadership and management. And then you can, basically say and do all the right things sort of like Matthew Kachuk did and, you know, do it all the right way and then just step in and, and hit you in the face with a hammer. Hmm. I mean, that's one way too to flex your contractual uh, leverage that you have and say, you know what, I'm just not signing a new deal here. Send me somewhere else. That is our NHL insider, Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff, joining Russick and Rose on the big show this Thursday morning. You can catch that whole interview with Frank 
up wherever you get your podcast. Just search The Big Show, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. And the interesting part there from Frank, and there's a lot there, was his line about why wasn't Craig Conroy named GM already? If that makes sense for the Calgary Flames from that perspective, you know the guy as well as anybody. Why wasn't he GM? If he if this was the guy for the job, would it not have been just as easy when you named Don Maloney president of hockey ops to name Craig Conroy as GM? Now, I do think to counter that a bit, I think that there's probably a process that needs to be done. And I think you, I think you're probably doing yourself a disservice with all due respect to Craig to not go out and look at what's there just in case you feel there's somebody out there that might be of equal consideration to Craig. I think that, you know, and look, it was, it happened very fast. It was just within, you know, 24, 48 hours. Craig's worked closely with Brad. I'm sure it was a tough day for him to hear that as well, to, immediately go from Craig, uh, from Brad's leaving to, hey, Craig, we want you to be the GM. Maybe he needed some time to to process and go through all that. I do think Craig Conroy is an excellent choice for GM for this team. Um, I think given everything he's done, I think he is ready for a GM job, whether it's here in Calgary or whether it's somewhere else. I think he's deserving of that. He's put in the hard work. He's put in the hours with you know different trips you heard. Uh, you've heard from Pat, you've heard from Frank, and all these guys about everything that Craig's done over his tenure here. I have no doubt that I think Craig Conroy is going to be a GM at one point in this league, and I think will be a good one. Assessing the fit here is a, is a difficult thing because I think as much as Don Maloney and maybe Flames ownership think that that young progressive thinker is the way that they want to go for the next GM of this team, that's a, I don't want to say it's an impossible spot going in for, for a young GM, but it's certainly not an easy spot. I don't think that's hard to debate as you go through some of the things that Frank said there. They're just obvious options. As of right now, and maybe this changes, maybe it doesn't, it feels as though you're inheriting a coach. That's not always a favorite for a lot of GM candidates. You're also potentially hiring a coach that or inheriting a coach, excuse me, that we know plays by his own rules. And en- enough so that Brad Treliving didn't feel as though there was a worthwhile line of communication between the two of them anymore. That's public knowledge to everybody now. That's not a surprise for any GM candidate coming into Calgary. Add into that that you have, you're going to have to work hard to make any significant changes on this team, given the fact that the salary cap doesn't appear that it's going up by much this year and you're locked into a lot of salary. So the easy changes, the perimeter changes are, are there for you to make as an incoming GM. But as far as the big moves, you know, you're going to have to really dive into that this summer. It's an interesting spot. Again, I don't think by any means it's a bad spot. First of all, there's 32 of these jobs. No such thing as a bad spot when it comes to being a GM of a team. Um, but I do think there are unique situations that go with every job, right? Some teams, it's not spending to the salary cap or, or you know limits. It's different player personnel. It's different ownership. All of that factors into every single job. So I'm not going to say that this isn't a desirable job by any way. I, I just think it's a unique one given that, you have a coach that clearly, whether you like it or not, whether you think it's the right thing or not, wields a fair amount of power simply in the lineup card. I don't think it's just his his comments. I think it's clearly, you know, the coach understands he's the one that submits that lineup card uh, every day on game day, not the GM. And if he doesn't want to play somebody because he doesn't think that player's ready, then and the GM does think he's ready, well, Daryl gets to make that decision. So it's it's certainly an interesting spot. I think it's um, one that there has to be uh, a lot of consideration for because I, I have said this since, since Brad left. This is a crucial, crucial hire that Don Maloney has on his hands. He, you have to get this right if you're the Calgary Flames because 
one of two things happens here in the next couple of years are you try to find some pieces and try to make it work with this new core group of players, or we're not that far off from potential massive changes to this group coming. Just look at that UFA group that's coming next summer. That in and of itself could force this organization into a massive change of direction. Jacob Markstrom's age and the fact that his contract, you know, only has a few more years left on it could necessitate that change. The GM that comes in next is going to have some massive decisions to make and will have a massive impact on the direction of this franchise that could be changing in the next two to three years. I don't think that's unfair to say either. Uh, some of your texts at 960-960. The fan feedback line, by the way, always open to you. Here on uh, Sportsnet today, you can always send in your text to the text line. We'll read some of them here. Uh, this one says, I'm getting very tired of listening to Sarah Valley's comments about how Calgary is not a desirable place to work. I, I didn't hear that as much. I think that, I think you have to be honest about the situation. That's how I've tried to approach it from the beginning is that, yeah, there are, like I said, to me, they're not negatives. They're just things that come with every GM's job, right? It's okay. I have lots of players signed or. I have nobody on the salary cap. I need to figure out who my next core is. It's just the differences of each job. I think Frank's just being honest about what's there. And like I said, the coach, regardless of who it is, whether it was Sutter or any coach around the league, any GM that jumps into a new job, I think wants to have that spot open. That might not be open here in Calgary. Uh, This one says, uh, maybe Craig doesn't want the job. Murray Edwards and company are screwing it up and have been for a while. As time goes on, it's possible the fans like me decide to quit this team for good. Sorry. Uh, Mike in Calgary texts in, says, I'm interested in the number of players who flex their muscles and say they're not re-signing with Calgary. Going to be something to watch for sure. Uh, This one says, Craig Conroy is the logical choice for our GM. However, does a young, progressive-thinking GM fit with a coach like Daryl Sutter? That feels highly unlikely. It would be a tough goal for any new GM coming in here to work. Um, with Daryl, who indeed does play by his own rules. Uh, Randy and Cochran uh, says, one thing that hasn't been suggested is Craig Conroy also having opportunities elsewhere. I think that's a very good point, Randy. I think, I think given the opportunity, Craig would, given how much time he spent during his professional career, I think being in Calgary makes the most sense for him. But hey, Randy, I think that's a great point that uh, I don't think Craig is a asset that's only valued in Calgary given all the work that he's put in. I think teams certainly outside of the Flames would be smart to look at the resume that Craig's built for himself the last couple of years here in Calgary. Uh, This one says, if Conroy was named GM, then I don't think the organization is doing all they can to succeed. In the end, Conroy may be a GM and the right GM for this team, but how do you know that if you don't look at multiple options? I fully agree with that as well. All right, pal, Jamie and Airdrie texting in. Uh, Say if Conley doesn't get the GM job in Calgary, he should leave town as well. Would be a pretty big slap in the face if they hire somebody else. Uh, This one says, Flames are in a spot where full due diligence is required. Nothing can be off the table. We also can't assume the ownership or actors in any which way the organization must do their research to pick the best candidate. Uh, this one says, uh, with Sutter, before Sutter came back, the coach was too soft. Sutter came back is too hard. So your two best players decided to leave. Now your current best two centers are going to leave because of Sutter. Sutter wins over true living. So flames players and fans will lose the next two years because of $8 million. These players don't or won't respond to this coach. How can ownership be so rich and yet so daft? Are they trying to be as arrogant as Vancouver's ownership book being out of the playoffs next year for the flames? I didn't waste my time watching this dumpster fire for the last two months because the players showed they didn't care. They consistently never showed up on time, always lost leads, and never made a comeback. I won't waste any time next season watching this garbage. Gross. That's a a fan feeling uh, very negative about the situation. And hey, fair enough. Um, It's been a frustrating time for, uh, for Flames fans. And yeah, you're still a bit perturbed about, you know, losing two of your best players and, uh, having it come to this when we thought the expectations were going to be a lot higher for this group, fair enough. 
Uh, what else do I want to read here before we get out? Um, this one says, what about Brad Pascal for GM? Is he a contender as well? I don't know what the list is, but I would imagine Brad is, is on that list as well to that texter's point. Um, look at what the Calgary Wranglers have done the last <clears throat> couple of years. And that is in no short, um, way, shape or form from, uh, out of what that's the no way I should say, let's rephrase that. Um, it's a lot to do with what Brad Pascal's had to do with the job, him coming in and working with that team and working with, you know, bringing in Mitch love and constructing the kind of group that they have. Uh, I don't know again, what Don Maloney's list looks like with John Bean, but uh, Brad Pascal, another AGM in this organization should absolutely be a contender for the job as well. Uh, so this one says Lars texts in says with Murray Edwards and his favorite Daryl Sutter in the coaching position, running the show here. Why would anyone want to come here as GM? It's a, it's a tough relationship to work in for sure. I, I can't disagree with that. Uh, a couple more before we get out of here, we got to get to Verk coming up to kick off hour two, but, um, uh, this one says, for those who think Daryl will never change and can't handle today's young players, I have two words for you, Johnny Gaudreau. Look at his stats this year compared to last year under Daryl. And uh, this one says, Conrad has definitely paid his dues and could be offered the job. However, he's also been part of a management group that has underachieved in its roster building during its tenure. So lots to get to. We'll continue to watch this situation from a Flames perspective, uh, the GM Search we know is underway from Don Maloney, the new president of Hockey Ops, and uh, whether it's Craig Conroy or somebody else, we know they've got uh, a big chance, a big test in front of them to try to get this Flames group back to where they want to be. We'll continue to monitor that situation. Obviously, if any news breaks, we'll have it for you right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We will take a break, come back on the other side. Time for our Thursday chant with Adnan Verk, MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast will dive into a little bit of everything with our pal Adnan around the corner right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.